0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that drops on Sundays because we always need more college football content on Sundays, right? Even throughout the postseason and the offseason and the regular season and the preseason, we're going to bring you this show each and every Sunday and not a very newsworthy week as far as uh, coaching moves, transfer portal, uh, different things that were happening. We did see the SEC baseball news about how they're going to go divisionless moving forward. A lot of people think that that just sort of points to SEC football going to go that direction. I-, I think most of us believe that. We've talked about, you know, some of these uh, permanent rivalries and the, you know the permanent games that teams are going to play permanent opponents and I think we all think it's going to go that way, but we're just not 100% certain. Um, If you caught our bracket selection special uh, earlier in the week or last week, wanted to give you guys a quick update. There it is, if you can see it. Um, Mrs. Kubelik is in the lead. She's picked 22 games correctly. Um, I am tied currently in third place with my eight-year-old daughter, Kit. You met her. Uh, Five-year-old son is in second place with twenty. correct selections um eight-year-old and five-year-old both had fairly dickinson by the way and uh five-year-old had san diego state moving through so he hadn't dominated the whole thing but he's had a couple that were pretty impressive picks with uh, no idea what he was doing poor two year old nine correct selections he um uh, he he not necessarily um up to speed on the college hoops and the marked badness just yet Here's what we're going to get to today. Uh, we got another spring preview. We're going to go Kentucky Wildcats. I'll be honest, this thing is jammed. Uh was listening to Waka Flocka before the show, trying to get set, pretending like I was eating at Tony's, getting those uh, bourbon sweet potatoes with the giant marshmallow in it and a filet. Um, love Lexington. And you guys know that watch the Cats. Tom and Jordan and I feel like we have had probably 30 Kentucky games in the last four years. Uh, so I feel like I know the program well, the expectations well, sort of the vibe and the feel of the program. I feel like I have a good grasp of it. But last year was very different for a lot of reasons. The last couple of seasons have been very different. It's become a little bit more roller coaster ish in Lexington than it was for the two or three years prior to that, where it, I thought the most impressive part was the stability and the blueprint that Coach Tubes had put in place. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. Um. And obviously, we had Missouri that was set to go this weekend with their spring game. It gets canceled, moved indoors. So, SEC Network's not going to televise anything. So, that's going to give us an opportunity to miss out on seeing a little bit of what they had to offer. Now, we know a lot of the quarterbacks, Brady Cook's banged up, not really going to get to see him. Uh, But this Dylan Liable is somebody that Coach Drinkwitz continues to rave about, says he's doing great things. So, that quarterback race can be really interesting moving past the spring. We'll try to see what we can get on it. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, my plan was and is all the spring games. We will break those down exactly the way we do games in the fall. And if you're new to the podcast, please subscribe. We appreciate that. Please go subscribe, like on YouTube. Trying to trying to bolster that a little bit. Uh, we appreciate everybody that we've got on board. We're just, just a little two-man show trying to get things going, build from the ground floor. Like We're the little old Clemson of podcasts here but we're trying to bring you good, entertaining, informative information on a weekly basis. Sundays where not a lot else is going on. Um, We got some XFL coming up. I'll be on the uh, San Antonio Arlington game Sunday night on ESPN. I think that's an 8 o'clock local kick. You can check that one out uh, later tonight. So um, here's what we got. It is a Kentucky Wildcats team that did not live up to expectations last year. And you guys know the podcast each and every week is brought to you by Wickles Pickles. Wickedly delicious. I told them I cranked into my giant bottle last week, and look what they did. They sent me two. So now we can just go wall-to-wall, back-to-back, like squeeze the cheeks together. Giant wickles everywhere. Wickedly delicious. Find them in your local grocery store. Go to the website if you don't find them in your grocery store, and they can ship them to you. You're going to want them. Wickles.com. W-I-C-K-L-E-S.com. They are amazing. We've got a giant jar in the fridge that we just snack out of. Sandwiches, burgers, appetizers—they've got recipes on the Instagram at Wickles Pickles. You can check them out there. Thank you so much for being our title sponsor. We love Wickles Pickles. Um, a little bit of a of a roller coaster the last couple of years there in Lexington, and some some different reasons for that. Some of the coaching turnover, um, unfortunately, what happened with with Coach Slarman and God rest his soul losing him. I, I think he was somebody who just brought something different to that program, not only with the offensive line, not only as far as you know uh, how they were going to be able to block people or what they were going to be able to do from a blocking perspective. Sorry, we got a little technical malfunction here. Um, but I also think that you know, Coach Sarman, he just brought a completely different attitude. And the way that he carried himself, the way that he did things was different than a lot of other people. So His loss was obviously one that was brutal. Liam Cohen leaves. You got to go a couple of offensive coordinators in a couple of years. And now you get him back. That's going to be something that we talk about over the course of the show today because I think he's phenomenal. But he does depart and you have to have that sort of revolving doors of OCs for a couple of years. You hope now that you get back to just having the same guy for, for a little while. And defensively, I think that's one of the things that's held everything together in Lexington. Brad White still is one of the most underrated defensive coordinators in college football. He is outstanding. And, you know, that defense is built a little bit of a different way. It's more of a heavy handed defense. It's not super athletic, super fast at all places. You know, it's not built like a sports car like some other defenses are going to. Uh, You know, they still want to be able to beat you up. And they're, they're one of those defenses that I've said throughout the SEC the last five, six years. Kind of similar to Mississippi State. Like they might not be as good as the one there on the other side of the field, but they're the one that I would least like to fight in alley out of the two that, that are playing on the same field that week. And that's usually where Kentucky sort of revised, resides, excuse me, from a defensive standpoint. But the keys to this thing are going to be easy. Kind of sidebar before we dive into Kentucky. I feel like we've got a lot of teams in the SEC. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that are going to be kind of coin flip teams going into this season. Whereas there's not a lot of teams that I'm just going to plug in and say 10 wins. Like, yes, 10 wins. Or yes, win the division. Or yes, go into the playoff. Uh, Even some of our normal cast of characters that we would say that about might not be that going into this season. I think Georgia is. I don't really know about Alabama. There are more questions there maybe than there have been in quite some time but it's also hard to question the head coach and the way that they've recruited. But more things that we can talk about than usual. Uh, South Carolina is a good example of this. Like Best receiver returning in the league, in my opinion, uh, and super talented quarterback. But you got a new OC. You lost some of your best offensive linemen. You lost a Swiss Army knife tight end. Uh, your running back that you leaned on for a while is going to be gone. A couple D linemen that really helped out are going to be gone. Best DB is going to be gone. So a lot's going to be different. Look at Tennessee. Like we've talked about before, if Joe Milton finds that changeup, it might just be plug and go. Hell, he might be more capable down the field than Hendon Hooker was. And from a power run perspective, could be more than what Hendon Hooker was. But your two best offensive linemen are gone. Your best receivers gone. Top two receivers, really even the one that played a lot of last year. Uh, and you took a couple more hits on defense. So I don't really know. If I'm just going to say, yes, they'll be back to where they were a season ago. You know, Florida's a team, like we previewed Florida last week. If you didn't hear it, go back, check that one out. There's some things that I think could work out and they exceed expectations, but there's also a lot of question marks as to why they might not. So I almost feel like that there are more what if teams, if this or this happens, they'll be able to get up between the eight and 10 win mark. And most people think they're going to be floating down around the, the six to seven win mark than there are teams that people think are going to win 10 or 11, and they'll go below those expectations. You know, LSU's one people have high expectations for. The A&M expectations are going to go away, but I actually think they're going to be a better team than a lot of people believe. We'll get to all those teams, but today we want to focus on Kentucky, and I think they're very similar in that fashion that there are one or two things that are going to have to take place for this team. The the main thing for Kentucky this year is they got to stay healthy. They just don't have the depth, and they are very different at that depth at certain spots, they're going to make a massive difference. So we'll start at quarterback, Devin Leary. All accounts, and he's not going to be 100% going through spring. So he he's not going to be able to do everything. But I do think by the end of spring, and I believe they're three or four days in, so it's not much, by the end of spring, he'll probably be close to a full go in their team stuff, which is really the most important. Because fundamentally, the guy's played a ton of football. He doesn't need all the practice reps as far as you know, seven on seven or individual periods because he's played enough football. He gets it, he knows. He needs the teamwork. He needs to be around the O-line, the tight ends, the backs, the receivers, in, out of the huddle, at the line of scrimmage, making checks, like that's what he needs because they need to all be on the same page. And I think Liam Cohen will get on there. It's one of the cool things about Liam Cohen. I've seen this, I've heard this, I know this, is that and this is again where those team periods for Kentucky this spring and in the fall become valuable. He's kind of like a like a, like a like a coach of all type guy. So liam Cohen one of those guys that he'll go over to an offensive lineman and start coaching him about you know taking a certain set and a certain protection or he'll go to a tight end talking about getting their head across in a cutoff block or you know he'll speak to the running backs about protection and where they need to be and where they need to align themselves to be able to pick something up like he's not just calling plays and then getting out of the way he's very hands-on with a lot of positions it's one of the reasons he's great is because he gets it from all the different aspects you can tell he's a coach's kid Uh, with the way that he handles a lot of that stuff. So more reason that I think Devin Leary being involved with a lot of the team stuff in spring is going to be valuable. So don't get as concerned with the people that are telling you, oh, well, he's only out there for 20% of practice, or he's limited, or he's on a pitch count, this, that, whatever. If he's getting into the team stuff as as spring goes on, and by the end of spring, he's in a lot of it, that's really all that I care about for Kentucky because they don't have the entire offseason to get all the chemistry bullshit worked out and then you'll roll into fall, and he'll be that guy 100% with that group that he already knows, and then you're just polishing things and getting your install, your checks, whatever, and you're raring to go working on your game plan. The other part about the health aspect here is the offensive line. Like, got to stay healthy. And, yeah, I think uh, you get Marquez Cox from Northern Illinois, a guy who is a carries himself in a very professional manner, uh, kind of like Devin Leary, played a ton of snaps. So he might not be overly devastating with what he's going to do. And again, when I watched this film, I didn't say, oh, this is an ass kicker who's going to come in. Like, just watch out. He's going to take the league by storm. But he understands different sets. He understands hand placement, hat placement. He understands angles. His veteran approach and the veteran aspect of what he's going to bring, I think a win left tackle. And he'll be very valuable from that perspective because he's not going to have to be overcoached in a sense that he doesn't know how to handle certain things. And even though he played in the MAC, he's played against high level competition. He knows what that's going to be like. I think you'll probably look at moving a couple of guys around, like Jagger Burden going down to center, Eli Cox going back to guard. I think you'll have Horsey at another guard. And if it's just those four kind of moving forward, then they can get a lot of reps in the spring and then they can work together in the summer and get a lot of reps in the fall, you'll be okay. Uh, You get the Tanner Bowles kid in from Alabama as a transfer. He'll add some depth. Probably look for another tackle in the portal after spring ends because right tackle, I think right now, is going to be a little bit of a concern. Um, What can help that group out will be numbers at tight end. Now, tight end has, going into spring, kind of been a little bit of a concern of mine for Kentucky because you're going to have Dingle, who's going to be out, who's not going to go through spring. Um, I think you're also going to have Caddis. Josh Caddis is going to be out for spring or at least limited in spring. So those two won't be there to do sort of everything. Um, But you've got some younger guys that are coming in, potentially can help and potentially sort of be the next guy in line. Like the uh, Kamani Anderson, who's coming in, I think might be able to guy who can really help. Isaiah Cummings, we've seen him in a Kentucky uniform. Like definition of tweener. If you wanted to say overgrown X or undersized tight end, he is right there in the middle. And we've seen a lot of teams have a lot of success with that kind of guy. Um, you know, Auburn had it with Sal Canella, and then you saw him rip it up in the USFL and now in the XFL. He's like, he is that exact guy. Trey Knox at Arkansas, who's now going to South Carolina. Exactly that guy. So a lot of teams find a way to either get those guys willing to attempt to be a blocker and can be enough at the line of scrimmage at the point of attack or they keep them out of harm's way and just utilize the athleticism and then they become bigger out on screens and perimeter throws where they're a bigger body that can get in the way and give you some blocking outside. So I think he could fit right into that. And Liam Cohen's going to use a lot of 12 personnel, some 13 personnel, one back, two, and three tight ends. And Cummings could be one of those guys that all of a sudden the defensive coaches up in the booth are like, all right, what do we identify this guy as? Because they can move him in line, but they don't have to. Uh, they can they can split him out. Who do we want matched up? Therefore, what personnel groupings do we want in the game? We go in base? We go in nickel? Do we want our nickel on that tight end when he's flexed out? Can a linebacker handle him when he's in line? What do we want to do? Uh, and that causes problems. And that's the big chess match for a lot of teams. It's why you hear about formations and personnel groupings and why they help you win. Because you cause that problem and you win a big portion of that fight before the play even begins. Uh, but Liam Cohen knows that. He can work with that, and he can do that. And the other part of this team that I think is going to be one of the strengths is going to be wide receiver. And I don't know about all those tight ends as far as pass-catching prowess, but the good news is you you won't really need them because you're loaded at wide receiver. This is as deep as Kentucky's ever been a wide receiver. Like it, it ain't even close as far as I'm concerned. I've been watching, observing, calling Kentucky football for, I don't know, 30 years, having an idea what's going on up there in Lexington. It's never been like this. We know what Dane Key is. We know what Barry and Brown is. Those guys are fantastic. Tavian Robinson's going to be back. And then, of course, you get uh, a couple of youngsters in uh, that maybe might be able to, to come in and, and have their way as well. Like, I think Deco Crowdis is a guy that's waiting to sort of play and get some reps, but here comes Anthony Brown, the early enrollee who people who I've talked to say handles himself like a professional, knows what to do in the building, you He's know, not in there messing around and wants to be great and is putting forth the work and putting forth the effort right now to be able to be that. So you're talking about four or five very capable receivers in this Kentucky offense. That's going to be able to help with motions, with shifts. And when I hear Anthony Brown somewhat being compared to what Wandale Robinson was a couple of years ago from a body control perspective, bouncing off tacklers, being able to be a shifty and, you know, having the strength and sort of a compact frame, being able to move, different things like that, my eyes open up. My ears perk up when I hear that because I know what Wandale was, how great he was, and what he meant to that offense. And if you're designing something around four guys, three guys, as opposed to one guy, you become that much more difficult to defend. And with that offensive line, if it gets even close, you guys have heard me talk about it multiple times now. Ray Davis is that guy. Vanderbilt transfer tailback. He is that dude. And I, I loved him last year. I said he was the most underrated player in the league. Didn't think he got enough credit. Didn't have a great offensive line. They didn't consistently get the run game going as far as opening up holes. But yeah, he was constantly churning out yards, running through tacklers, running through blockers sometimes, finding ways to manipulate blocking schemes and get fine seams, open up space. He is phenomenal. I'm a big fan of his, and I think even if this offensive line takes a small step up, Ray Davis could still be somebody who helps the run game take a giant step. And if your quarterback's healthy, he's got enough mobility to work the bootlegs, work the play-action stuff, and Liam Cohen's going to know how to move the pocket to help protect him a little bit more. He just has to understand when he's in harm's way, he's got to give it up. Like, throw the ball away or go ahead and get down. Like, don't take any chances. Because uh, that peck injury apparently is ahead of schedule, but you want to make sure it's way ahead of schedule and you don't have to deal with anything else like that as far as Devin Leary going out or missing any time during the regular season. We saw that with Levis last year and him not being in the game, things got different really quick. So what, it, what would be after Devin Leary? Uh, I had the game last year with Kai Sheeran started, didn't look good, didn't look great. And he wasn't ready. Now he's young, so you're not mad that he's not ready. Uh, he got thrown into action, didn't go well don't think it's way ahead of schedule now. So it would be a massive step back. This is why I talk about Kentucky as one of those coin flip teams, whereas if if this part goes right, things could go really right. If it doesn't, it might not because you're going to get a massive – and everybody will sit here and say, well, everybody gets a massive job off at quarterback. Well, when you're not as great at every other position, it hurts you, and Kentucky's just not. And Kentucky doesn't counter with at least like mega talent at quarterback. So, that's where things become a little bit different. And we got, to see, uh, we got to see a little bit of Destin Wade in the bowl game. So, I don't know, maybe he's got some talent, got some ability. I'm not 100% sure where the, the backup portion of that's going to fall out. But I'll say this. I think if there was a guy in the portal at the end of spring, maybe from the group of five, or that had started somewhere else and got beat out and was okay coming in being the backup, like who the kid that left Kentucky to go to Ohio State a couple of years ago, his name escapes me, but he knew he wasn't going to start, but he gets to go to Ohio State and play or be on the team, whatever the hell you want to call it. If you could find that kind of a guy coming into Kentucky, whereas if you had to turn it over to him for two weeks, it's you're not going off a cliff or even for two quarters, like you're at least able to keep the car on the road, that would be big for Kentucky in my opinion. Don't know if they find it. Don't know if that's going to be available, but just something to think about sort of moving forward. So, you got a quarterback very capable. An offensive coordinator is going to know how to use him and multiple receivers, the deepest group of receivers that the Wildcats have ever had, ever in the history of Kentucky football. Things are looking good if that offensive line can find a way to get it together. And you do have snaps. You got a lot of snaps played. That's a big plus, but work will be cut out for them as far as finding their way to being back close to what it was when it was the big blue wall. But if they just make a, a take a couple small steps, I think things could be really good and things could potentially be a lot better for the Kentucky team, not just the offense. Because you got to protect this defense. And I I like the defense up front. Like we saw Deion Walker. Like speaking of right tackle, that that potentially could be your answer right there. But I know a lot of those guys don't want to do that. And that's probably the main reason he's at Kentucky. So whatever. Like, I remember I had a conversation with Stacey Searles before the Georgia-Missouri game last year. That's Georgia's offensive line coach, if you don't know. And we were just looking at Darnell Washington out there running around. I was like, Coach, you ever see anything like that? And he said, man, if I had six months with that kid, I could make him the richest offensive tackle in the history of NFL football. And you of like, yeah. Because they've never had a guy that athletic that big with that length. Like, it's just not humanly possible. But he'll make a lot of money as a tight end either way, so it's not really going to matter. Um, but I like Walker up front. I went and studied the Keyshawn Silver kid from North Carolina, heavy handed, not real, not real twitchy, not real quick, but he's solid. And I think from a depth perspective, this is a defense that's had a big bad nose guard for a while. We know that. And Josiah Hayes will take that, take that role this year. And it's been I mean, it's been it feels like it's been eight years since they haven't had that guy inside that just eats up blocks. But you need depth at the field end spot. And that boundary end spot to be able to just sort of eat some things up and play that that heavy-handed sort of back alley kind of football that we talked about. Because then you'll have your edge guys like, listen, J.J. Weaver, is he's the next in line of those big, long, athletic edge defenders in Brad White's defense that are just going to make plays. He'll get that stand-up going. He'll be able to rush the passer. He'll drop and do things. And physically you won't see things. If, if you're not going to see many edge guys like him because his arms like go past his kneecaps and he can actually run, and he can actually bend. He's fun to watch. And apparently, he has shown up to spring ball, leadership, effort, just everything that you want from one of your guys that's been around the program for a while. So that's that's big. Um, You know, I think also, too, when you look up front, you've got multiple guys that are going to be kind of in that second and third role that have played. Like, Oxendine's played a lot, and I think he's put a little bit of weight on, so he might be able to help at different spots this year. Another veteran that's been there, and another guy to keep your eye on, see if he makes some noise through spring, because even if he doesn't, I think he will make some noise come fall, is going to be uh, Trevin Wallace. 32 on the inside of that Kentucky defense. He'll be playing off the ball, linebacker. I think he's got speed, sideline to sideline, athleticism. I mean, he is he is put together like an NFL linebacker, and all SEC NFL could easily be in his future because he has that kind of ability. He can be that kind of disruptive and he's going to be in situations with some of those bigger bodies we talked about, uh, like Hayes and Walker up in front of him, where he's going to be able to run sideline to sideline and make those plays. Um, So I I think the depth overall might be a little better up front. You might not have as much flash and as much individual, like Pascal who's making plays here and there all the time. You might, it might be more rotational, but the depth I think helps make it a little bit stronger. Linebacker position is not going to be one of concern. DBs right now I think is, is you know, it's, it's a little bit limited. Like Jalen Geiger I think is not going to go full speed during the spring. So you, don't, you know what you've got there, but he's not going to be somebody that gives you a ton of reps. It's going to give other guys an opportunity. I think probably Phillips, Andrew Phillips, um, maybe Maxwell Hairston are going to be two of your main guys at corner and safety. Um, and then I think too, like you'll you'll rotate those guys a little bit. So whether it's corner safety, nickel, you might be able to cross train a few guys here in practice. Um, like Vito Tisdale, Jordan Lovett will get some run, Guys whose names you've heard of talked about, but might not have an individual home just yet because they could potentially help in multiple ways. The good news for the for Brad White's defense on the back end is you have numbers. So you have bodies that have played a lot of football and have been around this defense that are going to be able to be there and take on certain roles. So I'm, I'm not really concerned about the defense very much. And I think when you go to that schedule, and you know, I, I was trying to bring up Kentucky's schedule and just look at it a little bit earlier, it's a little bit different than what it has been in the past. Like They usually do have a game that they sort of creep into the season with, but it picks up speed pretty quick. But now, I mean, Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron at Vanderbilt, right out of the gate. Then you get Florida at home. We all know what that game means, what it's turned into like the last five or six years. It's a totally different deal now. Um, got a real chance to be undefeated going into Georgia. Then Missouri and Tennessee at home. At Mississippi State, which is one of those coin flip teams. I don't even know what to we're saving Mississippi State for late in our spring previews because I just don't even know. Like what is it, what's it looked like? How happy are the guys? Is it working? Who knows? Bama is on the schedule. Then you're at South Carolina at Louisville to close it out. So it's, it's a, there's an opportunity to rack up a lot of wins early. And I hate to like reference this schedule as the first two or three years of the Stoops era where it was you know win five or six and then nosedive. That's not going to happen because not every team on the back half of that schedule are one that I just look at and say, oh, they're going to be better than Kentucky also gives you an opportunity to get to the first half of the season and be healthy, which is massive down the stretch. And kind of like what we talked about, you're going to have to have. And a perfect example of that would be like running back. I need to know like what's going to be next because Juton McClain, to me, is a little bit more of your hammer. Like he's a bigger guy, short yardage, but he's great in pass protection. He understands it. He gets it. He sees it. And obviously physicality is not a concern. So he can probably help you a lot on third down. But is he really going to be sort of the one-two punch with Ray Davis? You also have no home run hitters in the backfield, which is, it's not a bad deal. It's okay. It's not It's not terrible. But if you could find that in the portal after spring, don't be surprised to see if Mark Stoops and his guys go get that, bring it in, just say, hey, here's a third down guy like a Cavassier Smoke, uh, an Ontario McCaleb at Auburn a couple of years ago, or Trained training holiday at LSU where... You just get him on the perimeter a couple of times a game to widen the defense out, make him defend it, make him think, a couple of quick touches, and he can hurt you in different ways because you don't really have that guy. And I do think a couple of the receivers could play that role to an extent, but you just don't have a lot of it right now. So the last thing that I wanted to say, because I kind of I, I kind of talked about Kentucky in some ways that, that I like what Stoops has done, and I kind of like what they are and what he is, and a big portion of that has been the blueprint. Like He's had the same blueprint and same foundation every year. It's one of the reasons I think he's able to sustain success. That part doesn't change. They're going to fight their asses off. They're not going to back down from you. They might not be as athletic. They might not be as fast, but they're going to find other ways to protect the rest of their team, and they're going to be probably the, one of those teams that you least like to face because of how physical, how tough, and just how they carry themselves on the field. They've also got a pretty good home field advantage now, their Kroger field. Like I was mentioning Waka Flocka when I'm coming in. Like if, it's, if you haven't been, they've redone it. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. But it's also a great environment, especially at bigger games. So it's a, it's a cool place to go watch a game. They do that War of the Worlds like horn thing or whatever it is on third down. I love it. Freaking love it. It makes you want to go out there and like run after the quarterback. But they got all that stuff going for them. Here's the other part that I like. And you bring Liam Cohen back into the mix, who I think the world of. Vince Merrow's still on staff. As long as Mark Stoops and Vince Merrow are there, this thing's going to be okay. I'm just telling you. Because there's your blueprint, and there's your talent acquisition. We can get by with that. We can make a lot of good things happen if we have that. Like, keep the thing rolling, keep it in line, organize it, bring talent in. You can make a lot of shit happen if you can do that. Cohen bag, Brad White, incredible. I told you. But, It's some of the ancillary guys that are part of the staff. Like, yeah, Mike Soups is there now. But I just love the fact that you got C.J. Conrad who's moving up on that staff. Like, such a valuable tight end, such a great player for Kentucky, doing a lot of dirty work. He wasn't a guy that everybody heard a lot of stuff about. But trust me, he was important to what they did at that time. Eddie Grant is back. We know what Eddie Grant did with Lynn Bowden, kind of going to the triple option, veer whatever it was, when they were down so many quarterbacks. And all of a sudden, they run off a couple of wins and put together a great season. Eddie's just a guy that knows ball. You know, he's he's been at Cincinnati, he's been at Florida State, he's been at Auburn, he's been at Ole Miss. Like he just knows college football, and I think he's a great sounding board. Like he's he's head coach qualified, and he's sitting down the hallway for guys to be able to go bounce ideas off, talk about certain things, and help install things. And there was actually a, there was actually a throwback that was his last year that was that was put in, I asked him about it, and he just kind of winked uh, at halftime. And then you got Drake Jackson, who's on staff, too. So the offensive line has been an issue, and now you take one of the best centers in school history, a guy who basically became the coach while he was playing, and you've got him in there as well. So it gives me confidence some of the guys that are are holding – lower level coaching positions on this staff. And I don't mean that as an insult at all. It's just that they don't have the titles that some other guys have. Who gives a shit? But they're in there helping and they're valuable and they know what's going on and they know the standard and they know what it's about and they're great humans. That's the one thing about CJ, Eddie, and Drake that I didn't really mention there, great human beings. So I think Mark's just done an amazing job when he has had staff turnover of filling those voids. Like Look at two things Coach Tupes has done at Kentucky during his time. One, he's batting like 800 in the portal. Like, mean, go through and tell me the widths in the portal. And I know there was one at, at quarterback that you took from Auburn that didn't work out, whatever, but he went to c- Central Florida and worked out anywhere. But he's batting like 800, 750 in the portal, which is magnificent. Like, almost everybody they bring in helps in some form or fashion. And a lot of them are way above what people thought. And two, the staff replacements have also been pretty damn good. Like, he's, he's batting well over five hundred with his staff replacements, and he's also been smart enough to understand sometimes that, you know what? If this ain't working, get him out now, get a new one in, we'll figure it out, here we go. So I give Stoops credit for that, and that's why Kentucky's not going to go to three or four wins anytime soon. It's just not going to happen. If Devin Leary's healthy and that offensive line's healthy and they improve a little bit with Liam Cohen, at offensive coordinator, this team has a chance to be one of those LSU-Tennessee teams from last year that we're talking about that exceeds a lot of the expectation, has a lot more to play for than we originally thought, and is in the hunt for some special things by the end of the season, whether that's a New Year's Day bowl, 10 wins, you know, maybe even with an outside shot to win the East in the last couple of weeks of the season if Georgia were to slip up. Those things are in sight if a couple of the other things we talked about happen. So also want to tell you guys quickly about Blue Delta Jeans, another sponsor of the show. Magnificent denim, custom fit. You will not regret it. You will not ever want another pair of jeans. There have been a, tu- a couple of times where mine have been off at the cleaners and I've reached in the drawer for some other jeans and I've just been like, nope, 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 nope. Don't even want to put them on. Don't want to wear them. Want my Blue Deltas. Got multiple pair. You need them as well. BlueDeltagenes.com. And don't forget about Wickles Pickles as well. We always appreciate them sponsoring the show. We're here every Sunday. College football content. We're rolling through the offseason. Thought we were going to have a spring game to review today. Haven't seen what happened with Missouri. But as we get those spring games going, we're going to review all of those as well and go through the tape and let you know what we see and break that down, as well as continuing our team previews throughout the entire offseason. Please subscribe to the YouTube. Please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Go give us a five-star review. We appreciate that. Love your comments on the YouTube as well. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.